The first chapter of Genesis speaks of mornings and evenings, the first day, the second day, and so on. We find that the word day can be used in many different ways. In our day, the day of the week, day and night, it all depends on context. What was the writer of Genesis trying to tell us? Today on Wonders Without Number, we will examine the days of creation and the use of the Hebrew word yom. What's in a day? Today there is a great deal of discussion about the use of the Hebrew word yom, or day, found in the first two chapters of Genesis. Some people believe that this word represents long periods of time. That's exactly what evolution needs to discredit the creation account found in the Bible. Some would lead us to believe that the universe was formed almost 14 billion years ago, the earth around 4.5 billion years ago billions of years after a supposed Big Bang created all matter from nothing, and that we as human beings are the descendants of ape-like creatures over the past 50 million years evolving into our current form. No matter how one interprets the word day, the evolutionary point of view is in direct contradiction of what we find in the creation account of Genesis. For the Bible plainly states that the earth was created first then later the sun, moon, and stars. Now, molecular biologists, even those with a secular worldview, realize that long periods of time are needed for unproven theories of random chance generation to be in the realm of possibility. But there's nothing in recorded history spanning thousands of years that documents one creature evolving into an entirely different kind of animal. Variations? Yes. Transformation into an entirely different kind? Absolutely not. Atheistic evolution may need billions of years, but as believers, we do not. Jesus Christ said that Moses wrote of him and questioned how those who discounted the writings of Moses could possibly believe the things that he himself said. Therein lies the problem. Those attending our schools and universities are being taught that the writings of Moses cannot be taken literally. Unproven theories of evolution in direct contradiction to the creation account we read in Genesis are being presented as fact, and many young people come away questioning everything, including the gospel of Christ. Is God capable of creating everything in six literal days, or did He need billions of years? We need to take a look at the Hebrew word yom or day in context and find out what the Bible really says. We have with us as our special guest Paul Taylor, who studied at the University of Nottingham and the University of Cardiff, and has his degree in chemistry. He's been speaking for over 30 years on the subject of creation and the Bible, and is the author of a book on this subject. We're excited to have him on the program, so join with me as we welcome my good friend, Paul Taylor. So welcome, Paul, to Wonders Without Number. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for being here. Well, tell me just a little bit about yourself. Well, my name is Paul Taylor. I, I speak, travel around speaking on the subject of, of creation, and I've been talking on this subject and writing on this subject for over 35 years. Mm -hmm. um, 
as you can tell by the way I speak, I'm not from around these parts. <laughs> I can so, tell that. <laughs> yeah, I was born and brought up in uh, in England, okay, uh, in Manchester, in the north of England, and uh, uh, spent a long time. Um, I was I was a school teacher for many years in public schools in England, and uh, so I've got a background in education, in science education. And uh, I try and put that into practice in uh, what I do now in full-time creation ministry. What we're talking about here is the six days of Genesis, because it's very important to remember that, uh, uh, that the Bible says that God made the world in six days. The first four words of the, uh, of the Bible are, in the beginning, God. That's right. And uh, it, it's interesting, isn't it? Because so much, so often I have been guilty in the past as a, as a creationist of, of making a mistake, of getting the wrong starting point and trying to explain to people how uh, the reasons why they should believe in God and trying to give them the evidence that I can to try and get them to believe in God. The Bible doesn't do that. The Bible does not start like a high school essay, you know, where we're supposed to give all the arguments in favor, all the arguments again, and then let's weigh it up. No, the Bible doesn't allow us that. The Bible says, in the beginning, God, because it assumes that the existence of God is self-evidently true, and there is no way of understanding the universe that we live in without that presupposition. Wow, I like that. And so, basically, all we have to do is just flip to the very first verse, and it tells us that God is the creator, that yes. he exists, and then we find out the rest of the story. Absolutely, because when you read, in the beginning, God, it immediately undermines all the world's philosophers, because it immediately undermines atheism. We're not in a position to talk about whether God exists or not. The Bible says God obviously exists. Right. The only thing, in fact, that the Bible says about the possible non-existence of God is uh, in Psalm 14 and repeated again in Psalm 53, where it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Oh. That's, the only, that's the only comment we have. And that's not my words. I'm not calling anyone a fool. Sure. You know, I was accused of that by an atheist. I said, uh, he said, are you, calling, are you calling me a fool? I said, no, of course <laughs> I'm not calling you a fool. But the Bible is. <laughs> and, and that's important. So uh, atheism is immediately refuted by the first four words of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Agnosticism is refuted by the first four words of the Bible. People who say, well, you can't know whether God exists or not. And they say that's a nice, moderate, intelligent position. You can't know. The Bible says you can. You can. In the beginning, God, because there is nothing that can be understood right. without that. And not only can you know that there is a God, but you can know him personally. Absolutely. Theistic evolution is refuted by those four words. Yes. The idea that God could have created everything by a process of uh, evolution over millions and millions of years. Right. But that's refuted by those four words because those four words remind us that the God that such people uh, uh, purport to believe in says that there was a beginning and that in that beginning he created. Wow. So, you know, those first four words of the Bible are just absolutely vital, so, so important for everything that we say. Well, I think so, too. And, you know, theistic evolution sounds sort of like this, this technical, you know, idea that uh, should be sophisticated. But I like to call it compromised creation, yes. because that's really what it is. It is. And, and, and yes, the word compromise is very important. You use that word, I use that word, because any attempt to say anything other than the plain words of Scripture is going to be a compromise. That's right. And, you know, great people in the past didn't have any problem with that. They knew what, uh, exactly what the, uh, the Bible was saying. And, uh, you know, it, the, the Bible informs us that, uh, that, that there will be people around who have problems with this. Mm -hmm. uh, but it tells us, doesn't it, in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, since the creation of the 
world, God's invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's right. So that really puts everything into context, that, uh, that those people who do not want to accept what the Bible says are going against the natural order of things. Let's start with Exodus chapter 20, verse 11. Okay. It's another part of the Bible. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> to do with the Ten Commandments, quite important. Only one of the mm -hmm. Ten Commandments has got a reason with it. Uh-huh. It's the Fourth Commandment, That's why right. we should keep one day in seven holy. And the reason given is, in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. It sounds pretty literal. It doesn't sound like this is some allegory in six million years, yes. does it? And, and, and it's, it's very important, it's clearly in context. If you are going to accept the fourth commandment that we should keep one day in seven holy, then there is a reason for that. And the reason is given, well, God made the world in six days and rested on the seventh. <laughs> so if that reason is not right, because actually God made the world in six allegorical days, right. metaphors, okay. and then had a long period of rest that we're still in somehow, and it's just uh, all metaphorical, allegorical, whatever you want to call it, mm -hmm. then maybe the interpretation of the commandments itself should be metaphorical. Wow. And if that's so, since it's the only commandment that has a reason, then there is no reason then to suppose that the other nine commandments as well are not metaphorical, in which case they're not actually ten commandments at all, they're just ten suggestions. Oh. In which case, if you break them, all you're doing is breaking a suggestion. So it's not really sin. So we haven't actually sinned. We've not really done anything wrong. So what's the point of Jesus coming to the earth in the first place? Wow. Do you see how actually this whole business about six days suddenly becomes fundamental and foundational to the gospel itself. Yes, Once it you is. look at the corollary of it and you, you actually you take it to that extreme. Which well, is that's, that's pretty powerful. It is. You know, I, I did a, a radio broadcast in uh, in the United Kingdom on which uh, Richard Dawkins was also present, mm. and he was saying, you know, this this creationist, because he never refers to me or any other one, anyone else by name, mm -hmm. you know, this creationist of yours, he says, can't prove that the world was uh, created in six thousand years. So I said, uh, yeah, that's right, but. Uh, Professor Dawkins can't prove that uh, the Earth came into existence 4.6 billion years ago hmm. by, uh, by empirical science. That's you can't right. do an experiment here. Neither of us can actually do an experiment, so it can't be proven by science. Mm -hmm. So it would be more convenient if we had the legal documentary evidence instead. Ah, that's good. Which, of course, we do. We do. It's called the Bible. That's right. And it contains the entire history of creation and well past that as well. That's right. So, uh, you know, that's, that's, that is really where the evidence comes. And, you know, we, we get this wrong. We try and talk about uh, making people into, uh, uh, give, uh, trying to persuade people by the evidence. But if we're trying to persuade someone by the evidence, we're turning them into the judge. Right. You know, judges in uh, England <laughs> look like that. But um, we're trying to turn them into the judge and that we should never, ever be doing that. Mm -hmm. That's just not the way we should work. Hmm, that's a really good point. Because you can't, through empirical, observable science, you cannot prove one way or the other how, you know, when the, the world began. That's right. But we do know. It's we do know, because it's written in the book. Now, when you start from that, that's not to say that I'm not going to ever talk about science, because of course I do, but we start from that presupposition that, try, that explains everything, and then we look at the evidence in that context.
people will say, when does the word day in the Bible mean a day? Yeah, this is good. Okay. Because some, we got clearly the word day can mean something other than day, That's other right. than 24 hours, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Hebrew word yom, meaning mm-hmm. day, is used in a very similar way to the way that the English word day is used. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can mean the hours of daylight, or it can mean a 24-hour day, okay. or it can mean um, a, a period of time. Right. I, I, it can mean all those things. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do we know? And okay. people get a bit worked up over that and think, well, it's really quite complicated, isn't it? No, it isn't. Okay. It's not at all complicated. You know, if I was to say, in my father's day, mm-hmm. he would go to work during the day, mm-hmm. I've had two uses of the word day the there. Word day. And it's perfectly clear from the context. That's right. I haven't got to stop and explain and get a dictionary out, have I, and try and, try and interpret that. Mm-hmm. I use, had two different uses of the word. I could add to that. In my father's day, he went to work during the day for five days consecutively. You're listening to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. The message presented today was filmed in studio at David Reeves Ministries' Wonders of Creation Center and is available in video format with powerful accompanying visuals. Subscribe to our Genesis Plus package online to get instant access to the video format of this message and hundreds of others right on your computer or mobile device. If you are encouraged by this message and would like to be a part of sharing this information with millions across the globe, we would love to hear from you. Give us a call at 931-212-7990 or write us at David Reeves Ministries, Post Office Box 2824, Lewisburg, Tennessee, 37091. Visit our website, davidreeves.com today. That's davidreeves.com. And now, back to Wonders Without Number with David Reeves. People will say, when does the word day in the Bible mean a day? Yeah, this is good. Okay. Because some, we got clearly the word day can mean something other than day, That's other right. than 24 hours, that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the Hebrew word yom, meaning mm-hmm. day, is used in a very similar way to the way that the English word day is used. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can mean the hours of daylight, or it can mean a 24-hour day, okay. or it can mean um, a, a period of time. Right. I, I, it can mean all those things. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do we know? And okay. people get a bit worked up over that and think, well, it's really quite complicated, isn't it? No, it isn't. Okay. It's not at all complicated. You know, if I was to say, in my father's day, mm-hmm. he would go to work during the day. Mm-hmm. I've had two uses of the word day the there. Word day. And it's perfectly clear from the context. That's right. I haven't got to stop and explain and get a dictionary out, have I, and try and, try and interpret that. Mm-hmm. I use, had two different uses of the word. I could add to that. In my father's day, he went to work during the day for five days consecutively. Okay. Now, which of those refers to 24-hour days? And the answer is the last one. Mm -hmm. And the reason is because there's a number there. Okay. And it's the same in Hebrew. See, the word yom appears 2,301 times in the Old Testament. The strange thing is that nobody has any problem interpreting what it means anywhere in the Old Testament except Genesis 1. (laughs) Okay. In Genesis 1, they seem to have huge problems. Yes, they do. But if you were to take your Bible 
and do something that I would never, ever recommend anyone to do, but grab hold of Genesis chapter 1 and tear it out of the Bible. <laughs> okay. So that our Bible now starts in Genesis chapter 2, mm -hmm. and we'll make it finish at Malachi chapter 4, so we've just got the Old Testament. Okay. So in that Old Testament scripture, in Hebrew, outside Genesis 1, the word day appears with a number with it 410 times. Okay. And outside Genesis 1, it's mm -hmm. always interpreted as 24-hour days, every time you have a number. Hmm. No exceptions whatsoever. Well, now, wait a second here, because we do have a number beside the word day in the Genesis account, don't we? Oh, yes. That's an interesting <laughs> one. So it seems to work, you know, and there are other things we could look at. We could look at the use of the word evening and the word morning. We could look at the use of the word evening and morning with the word day. Right. We could use the word night with day. And in each case, they always mean 24-hour days, and that, that's just so important. So it seems as if God is, uh, is, is telling us something about yes. the use of the word day. You know, so you're listening to a sermon in, uh, in church, somebody is, is preaching through the book of Jonah and is saying, well, uh, Jonah was in the big fish for three days and three nights. Nobody at the back of the congregation stands <laughs> up and says, hold on a minute, pastor. A day with the Lord's like a thousand years. Maybe Jonah was in the big fish mm. for 3,000 years. That's right. Nobody in the right mind would do that. <laughs> we sat around a table, open Bible study. We're studying the book of Joshua. Joshua mm -hmm. took the people round Jericho for seven, seven days. days. Hold on a minute, let's just study that. A day with the Lord's like a thousand years. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Joshua was marching them round oh. for 7,000 years. <laughs> Nobody in their right mind says anything like that. No, because it's clear from the context. Yes. Yeah. So let's just very briefly, I know we've not got a lot of time, but it's quite important to have a look at Numbers chapter 7. Okay. Of course, we know Numbers chapter 7, don't we? It's, in, it's one of those boring passages in the Bible that we tend to skip over, you know, or lists of names and oh, things yeah, going yeah, on. Oh, yeah, those. Yeah, yeah. So just, you know, let, let's just set the scene. What's happening in Numbers chapter 7 is that Moses is sat down receiving the gifts for the tabernacle. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, the tribes of Judah, uh, the tribes of Israel bring their gifts one day at a time. Okay. And then, uh, what it happens is that it says that on the first day, mm -hmm. uh, it was the tribe of Judah that brought their gift. Okay. That's in verse 12. In verse 18, we read that on the second day, the tribe of Issachar brought their gift. On the third day, we read that the tribe of Zebulun brought their gift. Okay. So it's pretty obvious what happened there, isn't it? A day with the Lord's like a thousand years. Poor old Moses was <laughs> sat there for 12,000 years. It, nobody in the right mind would say that. No. But here's the point. The grammar here, first day, second day, third day, and so mm -hmm. on, the grammar there is identical to the grammar in Genesis 1. Even down to the fact that most of our English translations say first day in that first passage, but mm -hmm. actually the Hebrew doesn't use uh, um, an ordinal number there. It uses a cardinal number. It says uh, day one. Yom Echad. That's right. Yeah. And that's what you get in Genesis 1. <laughs> so you've got the same grammatical structure in Genesis 1 as in Numbers 7. Right. So if you are going to interpret Numbers 7, as you should, as 12 literal 24-hour days, there is no consistency in saying that Genesis 1 is long periods of time or is metaphorical because it's the same grammatical structure. That's pretty good. That is really powerful. Absolutely. So you can't take it, you can't have it both ways. No. Uh, if you're going to take a look at this in a literal historical manner as 24-hour days, 
you've got the exact same grammar as you find in the book of Genesis. It just makes sense that the Bible means what it says. And uh, too many times we try to interpret that. And that's where we get in trouble. That's right. And it doesn't need interpreting. I mean, there are some bits of the Bible that are really difficult to follow. Well, we know that. And um, I, I'm, I'm always quite impressed by, you know, the quote that's attributed to Mark Twain, who was quite a profane man in many ways, yeah, but came true. out with an intelligent comment once in a while. And one of his intelligent comments was that uh, he's not worried by parts of the Bible that he doesn't understand. He's more <laughs> worried about the parts of the Bible he did understand. <laughs> And Genesis 1 is not difficult to understand. It is not one of those hard passages. It's actually really easy, except we make it difficult. We do. And mankind has the tendency to make things difficult when they're really simple. And we read in scriptures that God is not the author of confusion. And so this whole confusing issue, should we believe what the Bible says or is it long periods of time and all of that, it only serves purpose to lead people away from the truths that we find. And, uh, and it's not needed. It's not needed at all. Not needed at all. And it is so important, you know, when people say to me, well, let's not concentrate on this. It's not so important. Let's talk about the words of Jesus. Right. right. But of course, it was Jesus who said that Adam was at the beginning. If he was created on day six, that's fine. You know, you talk about something happening in the first week, you know, right. it, it's uh, right, five days later, but we wouldn't quibble about that because it's that, that time scale. It works. Whereas if, in fact, Jesus, who is, was, and is God, that's right, knew that actually the world was developed over millions and millions of years of evolution, mm-hmm. why would you say Adam was at the beginning? And I have to respectfully ask people, do you believe the words of Jesus or not? Wow, that's powerful. Jesus said, if you'd believed in the words of Moses, you would have believed in me because he wrote of me. The words of Moses tells us, in the beginning, God created, and he did it just like he said in six days. Amen. Thank you for being here today, Paul. Bless you. Would you be on some future programs? I'd love to. Thank you again. The record of creation, as found in the very first chapter of the Bible, was not intended to be a confusing story, subject to the interpretation of scholars. Taken literally, it provides us the day-by-day account of exactly what took place in the beginning. And how do we know it can be trusted? Well, Jesus said so. He himself made it plain that the words of Moses can and should be trusted. You know, today, everywhere we turn, unproven theories of evolution are being presented as fact. Many times, those of us who believe what the Bible has to say are looked upon as uninformed, when in fact, it is the evolutionists themselves who are uninformed. All they have are man's theories, ever-changing theories that attempt to take God out of the picture entirely. We have the biblical record confirmed by the Creator Himself, Jesus Christ. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. He came into His own, and His own received Him not, but as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name. I'm David Reeves, and until our next time on Wonders Without Number, keep looking up, truly, The heavens declare the glory of God. 
Hello, I'm David Reeves, host of the television show Creation in the 21st Century on TBN and author of the book Wonders Without Number. When we look at science from a biblical perspective, remarkable things are revealed. Belief in the historical account of creation as found in the book of Genesis reveals much about the meaning of life and gives reason for our existence. Where did all the matter in the universe come from? In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Visit our website and sign up for our email updates to receive links to free videos dealing with science, astronomy, creation, and the Bible. Give us a call to find out more about David Reeves Ministries or to order additional copies of this DVD and our other great resources. Like us on Facebook and drop us a line on how this program has impacted your life. I'm David Reeves. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God.